Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 30, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey, Vice President of Corporate Affairs with Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. Hi, Milt. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Greg. So we've just released the week 30 Ag Transport Coalition report. Uh, so a bit of a, a change in numbers, maybe not as rosy as we uh, talked about last week. Can you give us a bit of a view of what was in there? Sure. Well, I guess I would uh, sum up week 30 um, by saying that certainly disappointing on the CN side of the equation. Uh, their order fulfillment showed up at 53%, which is, you know, one of their top three, if you will, worst performances of the year. Um, CP at a top line uh, showed significant improvement. They jumped back up over 80%, uh, percent. Uh, although as we'll talk about a little later, I think people need to be aware that the whole story is not in the top line number, as attractive as that number might be. The concern with CN that we saw, and we saw this at a system level and we saw it at a provincial level, uh, there wasn't much difference when you got down into that level of detail, is that while they reset or tried to reset their network in week 28, when they rationed a significant number of, of shipper orders, 2,800 in total between new orders in week 28 and carry orders from week 27, um, it doesn't seem to have had a lasting benefit. I mean, they, they basically cleaned out a lot of issues that were uh, lagging them to allow their capacity to catch up. That seemed to benefit them for one week. And then uh, week 30, they went straight back down again. And, and right now, the early signs for week 31 do not look promising. Yeah, we've definitely seen this yo-yo effect. And it's one we've talked about before. And I know from from speaking to shippers on, on the pulse side, it's, you know, transportation is often the, the most, um, I guess, difficult aspect of doing business in Canada and being an exporter. Uh, Mil, what, what kind of impact does this, you know, really large unpredictability inconsistently have for, for shippers? Well, if you, if you think about the fact that, you know, none of these uh, shippers are operating in isolation, they all have customers, they all have service providers, and they're all trying to operate within, you know, large, complicated, integrated supply chains. Um, most of the grain in Canada goes uh, to export. A lot of it goes to uh, Tidewater, Vancouver, Prince Rupert, or, uh, you know, uh, when the season is open for the Seaway, through Thunder Bay, or through the St. Lawrence. So you have to coordinate not only what's going on with respect to your operations in the country, the ordering in of grain, the cleaning of grain, the planning of shipments, you need to tie that to what you're planning for your terminals, whether they're your own or you're going through third-party contracted terminals, and then extend that to vessel planning, particularly for the largest shippers. Um, so when you have that level of unpredictability um, with what is frankly the largest player in your supply chain um, and the one that gets you from your plant in Saskatchewan, say to, you know, Vancouver Tidewater, um, it's very difficult to plan what you're doing at your end and what you're 
trying to get done at the terminal end because you don't know what the flow of capacity is going to be for what you want to move week in and week out. And, you know, planning those elements of your supply chain are not 24, 48 or 72 hour exercises. You know, large grain companies are planning and booking vessels 90 days out. So when things are, you know, going up and down like a yo-yo on a weekly basis, it's very difficult to, to tie all of the elements of the supply chain together um, to make sure that you're delivering to your ultimate customers, wherever they may be. Yeah. And the reality is this all has a cost, you know, um, the cost of managing supply chains and logistics is, is quite high. Um, it's interesting last week, uh, Lee Motes gave a presentation at the, the green sort of convention, the Canadian green convention event held by the Canola, Canola Council of Canada and Canadian green uh, greens council. And he, him and Apar and his, uh, his neighbor actually did an analysis of what, what was the biggest cost for farmers and, it was by uh, by a great uh, margin transportation. So ultimately, you know, the costs of this are borne by all members of the supply chain, particularly farmers. Who, um, when you don't have efficiencies and you have unpredictability, that that has costs because you have to build in redundancies. So this this continuing yo-yo effect, this unpredictability, it, it has a has a big cost on on our competitiveness and and our and everyone in the supply chain. Obviously, going forward, we'd like to see some of that predictability come back. Um, if you look in your crystal ball or even from the numbers you're seeing now for uh, this week or next week from shippers, uh, what do you see coming down the pipe? Well, it seems like my crystal ball has been a little cloudy uh, recently. <laughs> we haven't uh, had tremendous luck in in. Uh, trying to predict or forecast the level of performance that we can expect on a go forward basis, which I guess speaks to, you know, how uh, erratic and, and volatile it has been in the short term. Um, you know, week 31 is not looking particularly promising. And there's a couple of things that are weighing on what will be week 31 performance. Uh, there's going to be very heavy demand on the railways for both of them. Um, between the two railways, uh, they're carrying over 3,500 unfilled orders from week 30 into week 31, which is going to significantly increase, you know, what we call the effective demand on railway assets in week 31, effective being new orders from shippers in addition to what didn't get filled in prior weeks. You add those together and that's the real demand the railway is trying to deal with. We do know that CN uh, is rationing shipper orders in week 31, and the early indications are that it, it could be a fairly heavy dose of rationing. Um, and car spotting for both railways remains questionable. Like we have not and continue to not see any durability or sustainability from CN or CP in their ability to spot the required level of empty cars week in and week out to provide some certainty of flow to shippers. Yeah, obviously, we, you know, the ATC reports, we look at, you know, the top line performance or fulfillment, for instance, uh, you mentioned the capacity and it's something we could maybe unpack a little bit now. Uh, additional, in addition to capacity, uh, what are some things that as stakeholders we should be taking from just the overall direction that we're seeing in, in, in the reports and with performance? 
Well, it's, it's, it's attractive to look at the top line and we've structured the reports, you know, to make them uh, as absorbable, if you will, uh, by the reading public as possible and order fulfillment is a very important metric, uh, particularly for the grain industry because there is such a high reliance on railway supplied equipment, unlike other sectors where there's a larger uh, percentage, if you will, of shipper owned or private equipment. Unfortunately, um, you know, order fulfillment does not tell the whole story. You have to look deeper into, you know, what's happening in different parts of the uh, rail network over time that is actually manifesting itself into um, poor order fulfillment performance. So for me, the things that stakeholders should be concerned about uh, when they look down below that top line number is you know the things we've talked about before you know why is there a lack of capacity or the ability for the railways to execute on a consistent basis and meet the demand of the industry for for rail capacity why do we have this inconsistency not just in order fulfillment but in in, in the flow of traffic through the network and lastly and i think one of the things that should concern people is how fragile the system appears to be it doesn't seem to take uh, very much to disrupt it and and have it you know get into that roller coaster cycle of good bad good bad performance on a week to week basis. Capacity is an interesting one. That that's something that uh, for sure it's important in the grain sector, but a lot of the other commodities who are shipping on the railways often talk about capacity and how to unpack that, how to measure it. Um, and it's going to be a debate going forward, for, uh, I think, for, for everyone when we think about the railways. Uh, can you maybe give us a sense of you know, how we should start thinking about capacity, some of, the, some of the things we should consider when we start to approach it in the next, in the next few weeks? Well, you know, capacity is, is a very complicated subject. I think that anybody who's involved in this business or has watched this business for any amount of time understands that railway networks are not, you know, simple undertakings. They are complicated, um, you know, and we're, we're quick to criticize on the failure of performance, but we also need to understand that, you know, they are complicated undertakings. And capacity is, is more than just cars. Capacity is about track capacity. It's about train crews. It's about locomotives and it's about cars. So the, when we talk about, uh, you know, a lack of durability or sustainability in capacity, we always have to think of it in terms of not only hard assets, but the ability of the railway to execute with those hard assets. So I think of it in terms of, you know, asset capacity and execution or operational capacity. So if we look at grain and the issue of capacity and think about it in those terms, all we have to do is look at what's happened recently. So <clears throat> if we're 30 weeks into the grain year and in for 26 straight weeks, CN and CP together have failed to supply 1300 or more cars week in and week out for 26 straight weeks and in the last five weeks have missed the mark by 2000 or more cars. And in the most recent week, which was week 30, for which we've produced a report, they hit the peak for the current grain year when that number climbed over 3,500 orders that CN and CP failed to combine, which blew past the previous high of 2,900, which happened in week 16, which was in November. 
So when we see that kind of consistent failure, for want of a better term, it should be a fairly strong signal to stakeholders that there is a capacity issue, whatever that issue is. Is it physical capacity? Is it operational capacity? Is it a combination of those two things? Um, but whatever it is, the railways have not figured it out. And that is a core competency issue that is not improving. And frankly, when people talk about the growth of grain in the future, should be very concerned, despite what the railway says publicly about their investments, that they will be able to keep up with demands of not just grain, but other sectors um, for rail capacity going forward. Yeah, thanks for that, Milton. Clearly, I think something we'll we'll need to unpack on future podcasts. This capacity issue is is not going to go away, and your point around the physical versus the operational is something that uh, is going to get complicated. But we need to we need to have a discussion in the grain sector on it. So, thanks again for joining us today, Milt. Uh, for those interested in seeing the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.